Hello everybody, this is Lisa DeLay, and you're listening to Spark My Muse, Soul School Lesson 158, Digital Formation and Restoration. Today I'm going to give you a little snippet of something I did with Ed Szeszki in his upcoming series, Paths to Restoration series. It comes alongside the themes of his upcoming book, Reconnect, Spiritual Restoration from Digital Distraction. And I'm also going to read some snippets from his book, that I received in the mail recently, and I really love his book, Reconnect. It's a spiritual formation book that is really apropos for our times because we're living in an age where we are digitally saturated at every turn and screens are the main way we sort of interface with much of life, whether it's how we wake up in the morning, how we find our calendars, how we listen to podcasts perhaps, how you're listening to this one right now. My data shows that over 50% of my listeners listen on their phones. It's also how we consume our news, and I do mean consume. And for me, social media plays a part in my life as I promote the show and as I connect with friends and learn what's happening in the world. And perhaps that's true for you too. Maybe you use a social platform like Facebook or Instagram, Snapchat or Twitter, or some other platform. The main one I use is Twitter, and I try to stay off Facebook as much as possible, and Instagram is this huge time sucker, so I try to limit that as well. All my notifications are turned off on my phone, so it doesn't whistle for my attention. What you'll hear now is just a small snippet of my conversation with Ed, and I hope that that will pique your interest to see what he's up to at edsezeski.com. Check out his book, order it, and make sure to watch out for that series. He'll be interviewing different people, asking them different things about how they deal with digital distraction in their world. What are their spiritual practices? How has it worked for them or not worked for them? And what have they learned over the years? In our conversation, we wound up talking about vainglory and different practices I do in my life to maintain equilibrium. And also we talked about the false self. And that's the clip that you're going to hear. But I have noticed when, when I do go on Twitter, if, if it's not for work or connecting with friends in, in a real positive way, it's usually pretty obvious that I'm starting to live unconsciously, that I feel frustrated or disconnected. I'm trying to find consolation and connection. And I'm using my phone and social media a lot more like a surrogate for those things. If I'm being honest, it's because I've fallen into a kind of a bad place where I'm, I'm more disconnected with God and myself and others. And I'm like hoping that this will kind of work. Right. <laughs> it's the opposite, right? Yep, yep. <laughs> Yeah, there's a great Thomas Burton quote about, you know, trying to, I, I'm going to butcher it, but it's, it's somewhere in my book about, you know, the, the things that we try to use to solve our problems, make things worse. You know, yeah. I feel like that's the social media right there. It gives you a promise, it gives you a promise of connection just enough to seem real. One of the things I uh, write about and reconnect is that it's almost like uh, social media like gives life to the false self. Yeah. Like you actually like it's like yeah. created this like you know you know it's like a machine or something like that where yes. the false self has some kind of uh, presence almost. 
absolutely. You can keep feeding it and it can, it can have a life of its own, like its own persona, really. And you have to keep it alive, right? You have to right, right. <laughs> keep feeding it little pellets. <laughs> now I'm going to read to you from Ed's book, Reconnect Spiritual Restoration from Digital Distraction. This is on page 87, chapter three, how digital formation hinders spirituality. Social media prompts us to curate our identity, selecting the best parts of ourselves to share with others. This sets up the perfect trap of sorts in terms of spirituality, as we already have more than enough opportunities to present or live under the influence of a fabricated false self. When I speak of a false self, I mean the kind of mask or identity we imagine for ourselves. Henry Nouwen served in both ministry and the academic world and frequently brushed up against the image he hoped to project about himself. He wrote in The Way of the Heart about the pressure in ministry to be relevant and competent rather than embracing the brokenness we find in silence and solitude. Brandon Manning famously called the false self, quote, the imposter, unquote, in his book, Abba's Child, implying that the false self steals something, something our true selves should be receiving. Whether we try to project ourselves as successful, organized, creative, wise, or smart, the false self steals the security and affirmation we could receive from God. Instead, we are pressured to maintain and even protect the false self rather than discovering who we are in God. Social media provides an opportunity to make the false self more concrete, at least in the sense that it becomes something you and others can see. It literally can become an avatar that is projected. And as we become entangled with our online personas and false selves, it may become quite difficult to discern who we are in the security of God's love. As more likes and followers amass, in approval of the false self, we may fear the loss of this steady stream of affirmation and may do what we can to ensure that it continues to grow. This isn't to say that every social media user is at the mercy of the false self. Rather, social media offers a perfect opportunity to, quote, incarnate, unquote, the false self and to build relationships around it. Even if we manage to share a relatively authentic version of ourselves and have the inner grounding in love and acceptance of God, that doesn't mean our media connections with others will be authentic or deep on social media. We can only interact at levels we reveal. Sherry Turkle writes, social media asks us to represent ourselves in simplified ways. And then, faced with an audience, we feel pressure to conform to these simplifications. Many of the students whom Turkle interviewed admitted they spent significant time crafting a profile that felt phony, knew many of their friends had done the same, and performed for their friends in order to get the affirmation of quote likes, unquote, on social media. The consequences of tarnishing one's image, whether in real life or on social media, can be especially harrowing for teens using social media. Instagram, for one, has become a platform for some of the worst online bullying for image-conscious teens. Are we truly seeing people as they are? Or are we only seeing a projected image that is meant to appeal to us? 
Thomas Merton noted this interpersonal tension with love when he wrote, quote, the beginning of love is the will to let those we love be perfectly themselves, the resolution not to twist them to fit our own image. If in loving them, we do not love what they are, but only their potential likeness to ourselves, then we do not love them. We only love the reflection of ourselves we find in them. And those were pages 87 through 89 of Reconnect, Spiritual Restoration from Digital Distraction by Ed Szeski. I'm going to read to you what the chapters are in this book so you get a feel for what is happening here. And I think you'll really enjoy what Ed has on offer. There are also things to discuss at the end of each chapter if you want to do this as a group book, which is probably an excellent idea, especially if you have adolescent or, or young college and career group that you work with or are involved with. The chapters go, the goal of digital formation, how digital formation changes us, how digital formation hinders spirituality, where two or three are texting in my name, the goal of spiritual formation, detoxing from distractions, get a habit like monks and nuns, reconnect with the good and the beautiful. And then the epilogue has some starter guides for digital boundaries, spiritual practices, some recommended reading and uh, lots of useful resources in here and how-tos that are very practical. He has a great sense of humor, and there's some studies in here that really give you pause about just how purposefully addictive social media is designed to be. Thousands of people are hired in these companies who have studied how addicts are made and use our psychology and weaknesses against us so that they can profit from it. And if you're not addicted to social media or your screen, that would be very unusual because these have been designed from the ground up to be as addictive as possible. With that in mind, we have to do things to protect ourselves because the companies won't protect us from themselves. And so far, regulations haven't caught up with what's actually happening. There's a lot of damage going on and the mental health of our young people has deteriorated greatly since the advent of the smartphone. Suicides and damaged mental health is skyrocketed and nobody is coming to the rescue of this demographic. Without putting these types of limits in place, we stand to lose potentially a generation of people, lose them to their full potential because they will be hijacked routinely and compromised for the profit of companies looking to manipulate them and looking to gain something from their weaknesses. This is where I'd like to talk for a second about the difference between finite games and infinite games, which I'll talk more about in some following shows. But here I want to talk a little bit about how most of us are involved with or somehow playing finite games and God is up to an infinite game. So in an infinite game, it's like an open source game, like WordPress or public libraries or national parks where we can all participate and we all get a chance to enjoy something 
and it's not shut down to certain people of certain economic status or how they look. Everybody gets a chance to go to the library. Everybody gets a chance to use WordPress if they want to and build a plugin if they want to to sell. And now a third of all websites use WordPress in the world. Most of the games or the systems that we play are closed. There are winners and there are losers. Everything we do in sports, in games, in competition, in business, puzzles, and usually how we see the world is with the haves and the have-nots. Usually how we design what we're involved in, and especially social media, is definitely designed to have insiders and outsiders, businesses who profit from controlling our moods. They know we purchase under certain circumstances. They're attuned to it and they push our buttons to make sure that that happens. This is not approached as an infinite system where we all have a chance to participate, add value, and get value. So I wanna just plant a seed for now and explore this more a little later. When we start to think about projects, ministries, work we're involved in, let's begin to think like God thinks, infinitely, with infinite systems where everybody can play, everybody's invited to the party, everybody is valued, and everybody wins. It's your choice if you want to play or not, but everybody's invited. That isn't how the world or how humankind design things, but God turns the world upside down. It isn't a win-lose proposition when God's involved. And so remember that this is the God who loves you the God that has designed the kingdom so that you get to play and participate and win. May you feel the everlasting presence of God with you today and know that you are God's child, beloved by God, and cherished. I'll talk to you next week.